For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Subscribe to Inclusion Revolution Radio wherever you get your podcasts. This is a podcast from Minute Media. This is the Yanks Go Yard Podcast with Adam Weinrib and Thomas Carinante. Welcome to a Monday edition of the Yanks Go Yard Podcast. I'm Adam Weinrib. Thomas Carinante is on assignment today. He refuses to work during the Astros Red Sox ALCS. That's not true. He'll be back on Wednesday. But for now, you've got me, and we're talking playoff baseball, a couple of moves in Yankees universe. This will be a quick one. Not a lot has changed since the Yankees dismissed all of their coaches on Friday, but we're going to be talking about Corey Seager, what we're seeing, why it's concerning, Sox Astros, who's got the advantage, and a couple of recent moves that might affect Yankee Universe. Make sure to find us on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, wherever you get your podcasts. Drop us a five-star review along with a mailbag question. We'll be more than happy to answer it. Um, But honestly, I can't imagine that you really have a mailbag question that you formulated over the past week, considering... Uh, the data points have not changed. Marcus Timms, gone. P.J. Pilater, gone. Uh, Phil Nevin, unfortunately, gone. Um, unfortunate just because we love the fire he brought. He had to go based on what we watched in October. But then again, recalibrate your expectations slightly Because Sunday night's game, game two between the Dodgers and Braves, there were two moments in that one that really have you scratching your head if you're a Yankee fan, both because of the future and the recent past. Number one, the Ron Washington send in the eighth inning of Eddie Rosario, who got around the tag at home, scored by a finger's length, around the throw of Steven Souza Jr. from right field that was not very strong. That send was remarkably aggressive, was the reason the Braves won the game, because ultimately they were able to tie, and then they were able to walk it off. And it was also barely different from what Phil Nevin orchestrated at Fenway Park in the wildcard game. As much as you may not want to hear that, It wasn't a terribly different scenario from what directly led to Nevin's firing. Washington got lucky. Souza's arm isn't great. That play was not made on multiple fronts. Even an average right fielder probably throws him out there. A lot of things broke in Washington's favor. Nevin challenged the Red Sox outfielders. The Red Sox outfielders dominated the Yankees. End of story. Of course, we know that Phil Nevin wasn't fired because of one play at the plate. It wasn't just the Aaron Judge play. It didn't help his legacy that the season basically ended when the momentum from the rest of that inning was blunted by the Aaron Judge play. But it's 22 outs at the plate this year. I mean, that's unconscionable. There was a lot of data to work with from Phil Nevin that basically indicated this maybe ain't going to work out at third base anymore. But 
it definitely stings that Ron Washington is still competing and still going after some extremely aggressive sends that have everybody singing his praises. And Phil Nevin gets canned after the Red Sox play sterling enough outfield defense and play the relay game well enough that Aaron Judge is hosed at the plate. Aaron Judge is supposedly a better base runner than Eddie Rosario. It's definitely faster. Yeah, clearly I still hold a grudge. The second moment in that game, this one is more concerning for the future than the past and is worth noting. Corey Seager, man. Two outs in the ninth inning. Runner on second. Kenley Jansen coming in. Corey Seager playing up the middle on the second base side of shortstop. Hot shot up the middle. Seager has only enough time to stab at it from the right. I mean, he... You know, I say only enough time because I'm being a nice guy. I think there's a world where Corey Seager can stop that ball with his body. It is ripped. I am not advocating for Seager to get his head knocked off, but sort of does the ole move up the middle. It certainly hit hard, but you got to stop that ball, and now you've lost the baseball game, and now it's rolling in the center field, and now it's 2 nothing Braves and the 106-win and the Dodgers who were supposed to be this unkillable behemoth and every other playoff team this year rationalized their own struggles by saying, well, they're, we're not going to beat the Dodgers anyway. So who really cares what we do this season? Right. And every time I would say, you don't know what you're wait a second before you say that the Dodgers don't necessarily, they haven't really clicked for most of this year. They've won 106 games on the strength of talent alone. Sure. But the bullpen is weird. They get too cute. They don't necessarily have the mojo. They're not as tight up the middle as you think they are. And then Corey Seager makes this awful defensive play. After an inning of awful defensive plays, the eighth was just these brutal, terrible plays. Justin Turner made an error in game five of the DS that almost sent that one into hysterics because Lamont Wade is a half a millisecond short on turning on a ball down the inside middle half of the plate. He almost jacks it out into McCovey Cove for a walk-off two-run Giants homer after Turner's error begins to threatens to open the floodgates a little bit. The Dodgers defense is suspect, folks, and now Max Scherzer is hurt, and he's he's battling a dead arm, and you know that the Dodgers have the pitching advantage in games three and four, Walker Bueller against Charlie Morton, although Charlie Morton, nasty guy, and Julio Urias, who relieved in game two, why uh, the Dodgers really are proving they're the West Coast Yankees, and not in a good way, they're making cute pitching decisions, they are doing Things that 106-win teams don't necessarily need to do. Corey Knable started two straight playoff games, an elimination game five and an opening game one. I don't really want to live in a world where that's smart. And technically it worked. But, folks, I, it makes me uncomfortable. It makes me feel weird and feel bad. So the Dodgers are down 2-0 in large part due to Corey Seager's defense. Not the only factor. Certainly a prominent factor in the failures of Game 2. And how confident are you, Yankee fans, in sinking your money into that into that player? Um, it looked straight up early season Glaber Torresian, that Ole defense. And he wasn't even playing shortstop. He was playing second, basically, at the time. He shifted over, which just makes you go, so what's the common refrain with Seager, right? Well, if you sign him... He's the guy because we're not sure if he's a shortstop long-term, and so we'll move him to third base in two years anyway when Anthony Volpe and Oswald Peraza are ready. And to that I say, did you watch game two of the NLCS? Do you know that that is a worthwhile defender that you are moving out of position again? Do you know that he has what it takes and what the hands he needs in order to play second 
or third long-term or even shortstop for the next two years? And, and do we really want to be signing someone we already think we need to move? He argued for his own candidacy in the first inning of that game, hitting a two-run home run to start the team off on the right foot immediately. When they needed it most, he was right there with a Dodger blast to get the Dodgers on the scoreboard. But then, after his team had frittered away that lead on poor defense, he added to the fire, put more gasoline on it with an awful play where he wasn't even really playing shortstop. So if you're that confident in Seager the hitter, are you any less confident in Seager the defender now than you were when you woke up yesterday? If your argument is he can move to third or second, whatever, sort of an incoherent thing that you already want to move your big-time shortstop, but he was basically playing second at the end of that game, and it didn't work. So, something to reconsider for Yankee fans. Underdog Fantasy is the fastest-growing fantasy app and easiest place to play fantasy sports. Play season-long best ball, fantasy drafts where you only focus on the most fun part of fantasy, drafting your team. Just jump on underdogfantasy.com or download the app Draft your team, and that's it. Underdog handles the rest for you. No waivers, trades, or setting your lineups each week. And if drafts aren't your thing, they also have a pick'em game where you can win 20 times your money in a single night. Use promo code RADIO, and Underdog will double your first deposit when you sign up with up to $100 in bonus cash. Deposit $100. Get $100 free. That's promo code RADIO. Terms and conditions apply. A couple pieces of Yankee news I want to pop in here. Brian Butterfield, the Angels' third base coach, was dismissed. As was Jose Molina, the catching, you know, a, a catcher who sort of played uh, plenty in Yankees history, uh, hit the final home run at Yankee Stadium. That's weird. That's always going to be a weird fact that's true. But is that somebody you maybe want to bring in if you are going to Gary Sanchez again? You know what I mean? Like, if you're not going to non-tender Gary Sanchez, you're not going to change his catching coach again for the 35th trillionth year in a row. But is this a spot? Is this a spot for him? I, I don't know. It's, uh, you know, just consider that. But Brian Butterfield has worked in the Yankees organization in the past. He's worked in many organizations. He has won consistently. He has been one of the league's better third base coaches is that somebody you want to hand the keys to? After a season of struggle, after a weird Phil Nevin year, are, is Aaron Boone's bad cop going to be a bench coach now? Are we going to dismiss Carlos Mendoza? Do we need the bad cop to be a third base coach? Or can we just bank on experience? Because I really do like Butterfield, and I feel like adding him to the coaching staff would be nothing but beneficial. Also, John Sterling, beloved we all love John Sterling. Uh, rumor has it is going to take on fewer games this year, moving forward for WFAN. His legacy was complicated a little bit moving forward by the fact that he was not allowed to travel to road games for most of this year. It magnified his struggles. It amplified them. It made us feel weird. The fact that he was looking at TV monitors and not looking at game action led to Sterling's trademark. It is, it is high, it is far, it is caught, occurring more often than ever before. The Giancarlo Stanton play, much like the Phil Nevin send around third in the wildcard game, the Giancarlo Stanton blast that wasn't a homer, that was called a homer, that embarrassed everybody, and he said, what did I do wrong? He's on first. That didn't feel good. The less Sterling, I guess, the better if he's going to be caught in situations like that, but it still does feel like the end of an era. I'm not ready for it. I'm not willing to admit that it's time to move on from John Sterling. And so seeing that admission on Monday morning on uh, the old New York Daily News, uh, or maybe the Post, it made me sad. 
Um, I just want to still say that a lot of people who think John Sterling is the worst and is a curse and is a, is is the worst thing to ever happen to Major League Baseball have never lived a full season with his calls and have never lived and died with his voice. He is the voice of Yankee Summers, and he always will be. So uh, you take the good with the bad, and if it's going to be less John Sterling, we've already said goodbye to Ken Singleton. It doesn't feel good. I will sign off today. Mini pod, little pod. Thomas back on Wednesday. Don't you worry about it. Uh, he's going to be handling solo duties on Friday. I will be uh, in Los Angeles, California. Too late to watch the Dodgers. Uh, bummer for me. Anyway, uh, before we sign off, the Red Sox and Astros are still playing. I feel like I have to mention it. I said before the series, this was going to be one massive blowout for the Red Sox, one massive blowout for the Astros, and a bunch of 6-5 games, and it was who's going to be hitting during winning time, who's going to be performing, because that's going to make all the difference. It's who's going to win these 6-5 showdowns and 8-7 showdowns, because we are not going to be seeing a lot of 3-1 games. Uh, Garcia got hurt in Game 2. Uh, Red Sox fans believe there was a conspiracy theory there. He wasn't actually hurt. Uh, cool, Red Sox fans. Uh, you won that game 9-5, so I don't think we need to be complaining about the elongated Jake Odorizzi warm-ups. Sox lost game one because Carlos Correa and Jose Altuve dealt them the most Astros-like blow ever. That was the most Astros game you can lose. I'm glad the Red Sox fans had to feel the brunt of that pain because we felt it far too often. Game two, Kike Hernandez is on the warpath. They destroy the subpar and potentially injured Garcia. Jake Odorizzi comes in and is bad. That game goes from 9-0 to 9-5. The Astros never give up. The Astros are a level above the Rays on offense. I don't feel ashamed saying that. And they used Nathan Avaldi for 80-plus pitches in a game where he wasn't really needed. That was a 9-0 game for most of his tenure on the mound. Um, you know, you assume the Red Sox have the upper hand in the Avaldi game. You don't assume that's because it's going to end up being a 9-run lead. Maybe not the best thing for the Sox that they've now used Evaldi to even the series up when the bats came to play in that game anyway and now have Eduardo Rodriguez, Nick Pavetta, and a TBA going at home, but never bet against the Red Sox and also never bet against the Astros. So I, I don't know if that 9-5 game qualifies as the Red Sox blowout since they blew so much of that lead. Keep your eyes peeled. I still think we've got an Astros blowout in us this series, and, and hopefully the pitching is able to keep up with the offense the Astros are not done yet. The Red Sox are not in the World Series. Uh, the 88-win Braves certainly might be on the National League side, though. More questions and answers for Corey Seager and certainly for Max Scherzer, whose arm is now dead. That series is very interesting. Astros, Red Sox, I'd rather it not even be happening. That is it for this mini-sode of the Yanks Go Yard podcast. Make sure to find us on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, wherever you get your podcasts. Drop us a five-star review along with the mailbag question. We'll be happy to answer it. More trade rumors coming up. More proposals. Best of the rumors. Best of the conversations. Figuring out where the coaches fit. Round peg, square holes. Yankee baseball. People are saying there's going to be a lot of offseason turnover. I'll believe it when I see it, but we will be here with you every step of the way. My name is Adam Weiner, but you can find me on Twitter at Adam Weiner. You can find our content at YanksGoYardFS and YanksGoYard.com. For Thomas Carinante, you can find and bother at Tommy's Takes, Tommy's underscore takes on Twitter. I'm Adam. We'll see you on Wednesday. Support for this podcast and the following message come from Coriant. Coriant provides wealth management services centered around you. They focus on exceeding your expectations and simplifying your life. Coriant has been helping high achievers just like you enjoy their lives more fully, preserve their wealth, and provide for the people, causes, and communities they care about.
As one of the largest integrated fee-only registered investment advisors in the U.S., Coriant has deeply experienced teams in 23 strategic locations. Coriant has extensive knowledge spanning the full spectrum of planning, investing, lending, and money management disciplines. Leverage Coriant's exclusive network of experts to craft custom solutions designed to help you reach your financial goals, no matter how complex they may be. Real wealth requires real solutions. For more information, information, connect with a wealth advisor today at Corient.com. That's C-O-R-I-E-N-T.com. Corient.com. You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, activities, excursions, and more in one place to make your trip truly unforgettable. Viator has over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from. Everything from simple tours to extreme adventures and all the niche, interesting stuff in between. So you can plan something that everyone you're traveling with will enjoy. Real traveler reviews give the inside scoop from people who've already been on the experiences you're considering. So you can plan with confidence. Free cancellation helps you plan for the unexpected. And 24-7 customer support means you can travel worry-free. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator.